0: Hello, everyone. How are you? It's good to, uh, thank you for that quick response. Um, it's good to see everybody here again, and uh, obviously it's our second week together, uh, just in an in-person service. It's definitely a blessing, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, sorry, I don't think this all it's, uh, it's great to see everybody here, and just to be able to worship together uh, in one room, um, just really just giving him glory and giving him praise. Uh, I want to say just a quick prayer for us before I just go into the message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your amazing love and your amazing grace. We thank you that we have an opportunity here today just to come together as your people to really to glorify, to praise, and to just to honor you and to be to be blessed by you and just to be uh, blessed by one another. And we just pray today that as we just delve into your word, that you would just remind us again of who you are and you would just... really just convict us and encourage us and help us to see more of you and to be moved by you and to just just to just to worship you we thank you in jesus name we pray amen all right today's passage i was comes from the book of matthew um and i know pastor francis was in the book of ephesians i think for for a while and he was talking about community and gifts and and so this, today, as I had an opportunity just to uh, share, share God's word, I wanted to just share this parable, um, especially as he was t- talking a little bit about gifts and community. I wanted to talk about gifts a little bit in community and just to think about how we can be really faithful as we live our lives to the glory of God. Um, in these passages here, in you know, 25, Matthew 24, we, what, we, what we see Jesus is teaching about being prepared, for his return uh, after, he, you know, after he has yet, obviously, to, to die on the cross yet. But after he goes to the cross and he goes to the, res- you know, he, he rises again. And, you know, after he ascends, obviously, there's this period of time, you know, that we are in, right, where before he, he returns. And so he, he teaches about being prepared for the return of, you know, our Lord, our master, our king, uh, our savior. And so the passage before this one, he talks about the preparation and just the delay of his return and how we are to be ready for his return. And then now in this passage, what we see a little bit of is Jesus teaching us as we live in this time between his first coming and his second coming, between his resurrection, ascension, and now his return, how how am I to live? How am I to be, you know, God's people, how am I to be his servant? How am I to live a life that truly brings him glory? Now, what does my life look like? And so today, we want to look at this passage, and there's really three things I want to highlight, you know, just the challenge, the call, and the motivation, right? The challenge, the call, and the motivation, the challenge that is given to these servants, the call of to faithfulness, right, that is there for the servants and, and the motivation they have to fulfill that call. And so I wanna really, as you think about the story, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a simple story, it's a f- fairly famous story. It's obviously a parable that Jesus gives. And, and I think we all know this, uh, parables are stories that Jesus would give to really teach his people, to teach in a way that really would, you know, would really make it clear to someone, right? What, what he's trying to teach. And he uses these stories to, to, to show us something about how to live our lives. And then in this passage, in this parable, we see this really, really rich master, right? Really, really rich man. And he is going on a journey. And as he is going on a journey, he gives really my, my first point here, a challenge. <clears throat> he gives a task to his servants. If you look at verse 14, it says, for it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Right, um, so he has these servants, he has these three servants, and he's going on a journey. And this was not uncommon back in those days when, where the master of the house would leave for a long period of time. And when he is gone, he has these servants that he is entrusting with his property to take care of everything. And he gives to them, verse 15, one, he gives five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his Ability. Now, I want to highlight here: when you hear the word talent, right, Generally, I think we think of gifting, right? So we might say, "Oh, Abe is so talented, right? In singing and playing the guitar." Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Abe used to be my youth group student back in the day when he was much younger, and when I was also much younger. And I never th- knew he had any talent in the music realm. I mean, I didn't, you know. Um, and so now when I see him, I'm like, wow, you know, I would like to take credit for his musical talents, but I can't because it's nothing that we even discuss. And we see the giftings, so we think of that, we think of talent, whether it's a good cook or music, right, singing, art, you know, um, talent, you know, in sports and on and on. But in the passage, when it talks about talents, it is not talking about giftings, you know, or talents in that sense. It's talking about money, right? Talent was a unit of measurement. And it was really a way of measuring money. And this is actually a lot of money. Uh, you know, I was reading different commentators and just, you know, there's a little bit of discussion of what one talent meant. But I think a lot of scholars think that a talent was probably about 6,000 denarii. And now you're going to say, well, what is a denarii, <laughs> right? Like, what does that mean? And one denarius was about one day's wage for a laborer. And so one day's wage is a denarius. Now, 6,000 of those, 6,000 days' wages is about one talent. Um, and so I think commentators will say it's about 20 years of work, 20 years of money. And that's hard to calculate. So I'm going to make you really simple. I don't know exactly how accurate, but let's simplify it and say one talent maybe about $1 million, give or take. Right, maybe two talents, two million dollars, five talents, five million. This kind of makes it simple. So just think, a very huge sum of money. Right? he is giving them an incredible amount of money, and he is expecting them to do something with it. Right? there's an expectation here to be fruitful with the money that I am giving you, so that when I return, you know, there's fruit. There's something you know that I see that you did with these talents so that's the challenge that the master is giving these three servants right he's going to be gone for a long time right we're not told how long and he's going to give them an enormous sum of money right five talents two talents and one talent and it says here each according to his ability which obviously shows us The one with the five talents was probably the most gifted, the most ability, and the one with the one talent was probably the least gifted in terms of ability. And so he takes that into account and he gives five talents, two talents, and one talent. And I think it's a reminder for us here, as you look at this challenge that the master gives, that all of us, right, we, I think we're challenged in a sense, right, because we are all given not money in the sense here per se, but we're all given gifts. We are given abilities. Um, There's a quote that I read by uh, J.C. Wild, which I actually really liked. And it pretty much says this, it says, anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all are talents, right? And I like how he starts with anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Right? Anything that we have, anything that I possess, whether it's my ability, whether it's my money, whether it's my time, right? whatever I have, if that can glorify God, he says, is a talent. And so to apply it to us, I think there is a challenge that we have from the Lord, right? Obviously the Lord, you know, he ascended and he's not going to be with us for a long time in the physical sense. And so there is a challenge that we have before he returns with the talents, with the gifts, with the abilities that he has given us to be fruitful, to use it for his glory. Another thing I think that we see here is everything we have, everything we own, it belongs to God. See, these servants had five talents, two talents, one talent. They had an enormous sum of money, but it's not their money, right? It is the master's money. And so even if they make a lot of money on return, at the end of the day, ultimately, it's not, hey, I made a lot of money for myself. I did it for the master. Now, the master could obviously bless them with that, maybe even give them a percentage. That's up to him. But at the end of the day, these servants know that everything belongs to the master. They themselves belong to the master. And I think that's something that we have to be reminded of. I think a lot of times we think that our time, our money, our abilities, our lives, it, just, it belongs to me. It's all about me. It's my money, my time, my gifts, my possessions, my everything. And so I want to do whatever I want to do, and I want to do it for my pleasure, maybe for the sake of my family. And, and then whatever's left over, Lord, I, I, I give this to you, We're kind of on the side. And I think it's a reminder, this passage as well, that everything that we have is by God's grace. And God is the owner of everything in our lives. My own life belongs to God. It was bought by the blood of Christ. I belong to him. But everything that I own, everything that I have, ultimately it is the Lord's. And I have to be reminded of that every day. It's not just, hey, I tithe. Here's my 10%. So, you know, God, everything else is mine. No, everything, Lord, is yours. And I want to use it for your glory. I want to live my life remembering that my time, my money, my gifts, everything else I have, I want to use it for your glory. Ultimately, it all belongs to you. And so we see this challenge that the master gives. And now we're going to see the response. Okay? How, does, how do these servants respond? Because there is a call here to be faithful, and we see it. Right, we have the challenge and now we have the call. And how do they respond? We see the first servant, it says here in verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and treated with them. And he made five talents more, right? I think that's important to Is He didn't wait for a couple of days. He didn't, you know, take a nap. He didn't just kind of hang out. Let me wait a few months. No, 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 no. He went at once Right? I think he was excited. He couldn't wait to do something with these five talents. And what does he do? He makes five talents more. That is an incredible return, right? That's a 100% return, right? So if, if let's say it was $5 million, he took $5 million and he made $5 million. Now, I'm not in investing. I don't know much about investing. I don't know much about making money like that. But I'm pretty sure anyone will say that is a very incredible return. Right? You take us a huge sum of money. And you know, and back then there was no, you know, stock market, right? It's not like I think he bought one stock, let's put it all in one here, and you know, just no, he invested into probably maybe small businesses, maybe some farms. Like, this probably took a lot of work. I don't think he could invest into one big thing and just get a return. He probably really put a lot of effort into maybe multiple businesses, multiple farms. It's not really explained in the passage, but he probably really worked hard for this return. And so we see him eagerly, excited, just jumping at the chance. At once, he trades and he makes a huge return. And then, obviously, we see the second servant. The one who had two talents, he does the same thing. He makes two talents. And then we have the third servant. What does he do? Verse 18, he, he just digs a hole in the ground and he hides his master's money. Right now, again, it wasn't something that was not done. But right? there were people back in those days, actually a lot of people, especially during hard times, maybe of war, or if they thought somebody was going to try to, you know, rob them. Some people would dig holes in the ground and they would, hide money in the ground it's not unheard of however in the context of the challenge that the master is giving this is obviously and we're going to see later in the passage this is not what was expected this is not what was desired he was expected to do something with this one talent but he doesn't he just digs a hole he puts it on the ground and this probably took him what at most a few hours right at most depending on the the size of the hole and the depth of the hole he puts no effort into it he just digs it in the ground and and i think you know he's probably scared he's probably scared what if i invest it and i lose the money (laughs) right like i'm gonna get in trouble or maybe he's also thinking what if i invest and i make money it's not mine anyway right clearly this is not something that brings him any excitement and so we they do this but then the master returns and we see his return in verse, uh, verse 19. He returns to set accounts. And then in verse 20, we see the person with the five talents. He says, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. He's excited. Master, right? You gave me five. I made five more. It's a sense of pride here. And so what does the master do? Uh, verse 21. Um, these are words I think all of us would love to hear. Well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Incredible words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. But enter into my joy. You've done a great job. And then the second, the one with the two talents, he comes, says the same thing. Look, you gave me two talents. I made four. He's excited too. So what does the master say? Verse 23. If you look at verse 21 and 23, they are literally 100% the same. He says the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So we see this great story, right? Man, you have five. You made five. You had two. You made two more. You went ten and four. Everything is great. But then here comes a third servant. And he comes and he says, Master, and it's actually really rude. Look at the wording here. I knew you to be a hard man. He's insulting him, right? <laughs> and you reap, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered. No, see, I was afraid. So I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. What is he saying? He's saying, I didn't want to do anything. I'm scared of you, right? You know, you're a hard man. But you take what's not even, you know, something that maybe didn't, doesn't even belong to you. You don't do any work, you just take it. So I was scared of you. And so what do I do? I just hit it in the ground here. At least I didn't lose it. Here, here it is. And look at the response. It's also harsh. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown. And gather where I scatter no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At, at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. And he says to take the talent from him, to give it to the guy with the ten talents. And so, pretty much, what is he doing? He's punishing him. He's not happy with him. Why? Because the call, and this is important, right, it was to be faithful. I gave you these talents. And I took into account that you, over here with the five talents, you're more more gifted. You have more ability. So I gave you more because I knew you could do more. You know, the one with the two talents, right? You know, I wisely gave you a little bit less because I knew you had maybe less ability. And so I gave you a little less to be faithful with what you have. And you with the one, I realized you're not as gifted as the guy with the five talents. And so I gave you less. I gave you one, which is still a huge sum of money so that you can be faithful with it. But you did nothing. You did nothing. You just hit it in the ground. You're lazy. You're wicked. And you're you're insulting me as well, right? And what I find interesting in this passage, or really encouraging, is the master's words to both servants, the first two, they're the same well done, good and faithful servant. But you were faithful over a little. I'm going to give you a lot. Enter into my joy. Because it wasn't about the number, right? It wasn't the fact that you made five talents. You made two talents, right? Because you made five talents, I'm going to give you even more of a reward, even more of a commendation, even better words. No, 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 he doesn't do that. He says the exact same compliment, exact same commendation, exact same warm, beautiful words to both servants. Why? Because it wasn't about how much you were able to do. No, it was about your heart. It was about your hard work. It was about your faithfulness. And the last servant, well, why is he punished? It's not because he only had one talent. It was because he lacked faithfulness. He lacked. He, he, he didn't care to do that. See, the last servant is scared, but it's not a good fear, right? I mean, you know, as Christians, we talk about the fear of God. And obviously the fear of God is a beautiful thing, right? We're all in the reverent awe of the Lord, right? And that's a good thing. But this fear that he has, he's scared. He's just scared because he looks at the master in a very negative light. Somebody who's going to punish him. Somebody who takes, right? Uh, you know, he reaps where he has not sown, gather where he has not scattered. He's a very negative view of his master. And I think when we look at our own lives, I want to ask that question Am I faithful? Right? Because God has given me, God has given you so many gifts. Right? We have obviously the gift, you know, if we're a Christian, if I'm a child of God, every one of us has a gift of of the gospel. Right? So off the bat, we know every single one of us, if we believe in Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we we've been given we've been saved we know the grace of god that came you know and and we know his mercy we know the gospel and so automatic we have this amazing gift in our lives and if we know the gospel then what are we called to do we need to, we need to we're called to share that gospel right we're called to let others know about that gospel as well through our testimonies through our words but also all of us have sometimes some kind of gift Right a you might have a musical gift, maybe you might have a cooking gift, right maybe you're very hospitable, maybe you're very welcoming, maybe you're very smart, right maybe you're very good at you can go on and on and and the thing about it is some of us maybe have the five talents, maybe some of us really just have the one talent, maybe we're not as gifted as somebody else but the point is every single one of us whether it's our time whether it's our money whether it's our physical giftings our musical giftings whether it's our personalities we can go on and on and on we have gifts we have abilities we have time we have money we have different things that God has blessed us with and as the quote that I read earlier anything we have that can bring glory to God that is a talent that I have and so the question is Am I faithful? Do I want to be faithful? Do I want to use all that God has blessed me with for his glory, for his kingdom work, to bless others, to encourage others, to further his kingdom? What is my desire? What does my life look like? And I think for me, when I read this passage, it's a reminder of that. Do I want to be faithful or do I want to be like this servant, right, this last servant who just takes maybe the giftings that I have. Maybe I just put it in the ground, right, and I just I don't really want to use it because maybe I'm afraid of what happens if I try to. Maybe it's not going to work. Maybe I'm going to be disappointed. Maybe I'm going to get hurt. Maybe people will judge me. Maybe people will belittle me. I mean, I don't know what it is, but what is my attitude? So we have the challenge And we have the call. But really, I want to highlight, lastly, the motivation. What is the motivation to be faithful? See, when I look at these first two servants, it would appear that the motivation is love, is joy, is some kind of excitement for the master, right? If you look at that passage in the beginning, right, verse 16, at once, he went at once and he traded with them. And then when you see in verse 20, when he says, Master, you delivered to me five talents here, I have my five talents more. There seems to be a sense, right, of wanting to do something for the master. Um, there's a quote that I read. I think it's by a, a commentator, uh, William Hendrickson. And, and I think this is what he says, or pretty much, he tries to say it like this, and I think Jim Boyce actually quotes, talks about this. He says, the faithful servants served well because they loved him and wanted to please him, while the wicked servant failed to serve well because he actually hated and resented his master. Right? I'm going to read that again. I think it's in the commentary by Jim Boyce. He says, the faithful servants served well because they loved him and wanted to please him, while the wicked servant failed to serve well because he actually hated and resented his master. I'm going to read something else here. He says the man, this is the servant, has been waiting for this moment and is pleased at having done so well. Right? Hendrickson writes this. He says the man's eyes are sparkling. He is bubbling over with enthusiasm. He's thoroughly thrilled and, as it were, he invites his master to start counting. What is the point? What is the point they're making? It would appear that the first two servants, there's an excitement, there's a desire to please the master. So they work hard for him. Whereas this last servant, he resents the master. He doesn't like the master. He has no desire to do anything for him. So he does what he thinks is the bare minimum without getting in trouble, and he hides it. And so the question that I have for us is this. How do I view God? But well, how do I view Christ? But well, we say he's my Lord and my Savior. Right? He's my Lord, he's my master, and he's my Savior. But do I view the Lord as a slave master who I just have to please or he's out to get me? Right? I don't know if you ever did that. And I remember when I was growing up, um, you know, it's probably bath theology, right? So I remember I would be feel like, oh, I have to do something for God. But I wouldn't do it because I didn't want to. Even though in my heart I felt convicted to do it. And that something bad would happen. And I'd be like, oh God, I'm so sorry, right? Like, and I remember just having this kind of attitude, right? Or maybe I would say something that I shouldn't say, and I would stub my toe and be like, oh, God's punishing me, right? Or maybe I would feel like, oh, I should, you know, maybe I'm at church in youth group and oh, I should talk to that guy over there who nobody likes because I think God wants me to be his friend. And then I wouldn't do it because I don't want to. And then something bad would happen. I would be like, oh God, you know, like I feel like you're punishing me. And I, might, and I would I would think like this. And I remember there was a point in my life where I felt like God was like out to get me almost. If I don't do all these good things, or if I do these bad things, somehow God's gonna punish me. And so you just feel this weird sense of, you know, just just burden. I think sometimes even as we grow up, we still feel that way. We feel burdened. We feel God as a kind of negative taskmaster, and you know, he wants me to do all these things, and he doesn't want me to do these things, and he's like a killjoy, right? And and, and we have this negative view. And so even when I serve, my attitude is not in a good place. I don't want to be faithful. I just want to do the bare minimum so God doesn't, I don't know, punish me. or So I don't feel guilty, right? Let I me mean, just get it out of the way so I don't have to feel this burden. Or is my attitude and my motivation, Lord, you are good. You are so good. You bless me where you love me, and I just want to love you. I want to please you, and there's a joy in my heart that desires to love you and to serve you and to live my life for your glory. There's a desire in my heart to just take the gift that you have given me. Maybe they're amazing gifts, and maybe they're not even that impressive, but whatever I have, I want to take it. I want to use it for your glory because you are so good, and I want to love you. I want to please you. I want to live my life for you. What is my attitude and the question becomes well how how can I be motivated to serve God with love how can I be motivated to serve him faithfully and I think obviously we need to remember that our our master is good that our God is good obviously we look at our heavenly father who created us who you know who is sovereign over all things who is working for our good and there is you know there is you know, there is that recognition. And we look at Christ, and we realize something. We see his faithfulness. When Christ goes to the cross, we realize there is no one else who has that ability. But right? all of us here, we were condemned to die. We were condemned to hell for all eternity. We had no hope on our own. But what do we know? We know that Christ went to the cross for sinners like us. We know that he was faithful to a task, to the task that no one else could do. We know that no one else had the ability to go to the cross and to die the death that his people deserve. But what does Jesus do? He faithfully does the will of the Father. Jesus faithfully goes to the cross, he dies for his people. Obviously, he rose again, and now. He has ascended. And as we look to Christ and his faithfulness and his love, how can our hearts not be warmed up? How can our hearts not be filled with love? How can our hearts not be filled with joy and a desire to say, Lord, as you have loved me, now I want to love you. As you have blessed me, I want to be a blessing. As I have received so much and as I have been so blessed, my life and i want to use my life for your glory and whatever gifts i have whatever talents i have whatever abilities i have i want to use it for you and that's my my prayer today you know whatever gifts we have let's use it for him for his glory you know, some of us might be very talented, some of us maybe not as talented. I remember growing up, my dad used to have this Korean saying, and he was talking about plate, right? You know, I, remember, I didn't really get it at first, he used to say that everybody has a different size plate. And he said, some people have a big plate, and they can do a lot, and some people have a really small plate. And he said, you need to ascertain how big your plate is and how ascertain <laughs> how maybe big other people's plates are. Because you said some people, they do a little bit, and it's really hard for them. But some people, they do a lot, and they can do more. And maybe some of you have a big plate. Maybe you, some of you have a small plate. Maybe some of you have multiple gifts. Maybe some of you have not so many. But it, it doesn't matter. I think the key is faithfulness. As I see the faithful one, I want to be faithful. You know, some of you might be really welcoming. Maybe you have amazing smiles. You know, maybe the welcoming committee is calling to you, right? You know, maybe some of you, you know, really have musical giftings, you know, like a brother Abe, and maybe the worship committee really is calling to you. Maybe some of you just love to cook and are really hospitable, and, you know, it's a great way to minister to others. And we can go on and on, but the point is, whatever gifts we have, let us truly use it to be faithful in serving our faithful Lord. Let us pray.